This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. And welcome back to Cottage Talk. I'm Russ Goldman. Joining me right now is Max Cohen and Mike Gregg. This is our post-match show of the nil-nil draw for Fulham against West Ham. It's another nil-nil draw. We did a full-time show and we talked about, do you look at this as a a point game and two points lost and are we disappointed? I look at it that way. You know, and again, it is a point game, but it really is both because they really needed a win. So we'll talk about that. We'll delve into a little bit more detail as we break down this match. Before doing anything else, I have to welcome my co-host back to the show. Mr. Cohen, how you doing? You looking forward to doing the show? Yeah, you know, Master, looking forward to, as you said, off air, ripping off the bandaid, just getting it over with. That's right. Um, Let's get it off. I think I was I was pretty upset at full time. Okay. And I think maybe I've I've become more realistic in, in the in the hours since and thinking that, you know, the season really ended last Saturday when we drew West Brom <laughs> and everything else up up until, you know, May is just us saving face and fighting to the death. But well, you know, I think you and I disagree on that. I, so I think really, like, is there really a big reason to get upset about not winning this match when, you know, okay. you know the die's already cast? So that's how I'm looking at it now, perhaps. Okay. Okay. Well, we agree to disagree on the big picture, but that's what makes us all foam supporters. We all have different opinions. Mr. Greg, how you doing? Yeah. Hi there, Russ. Hi there, Max. Yeah, looking forward to doing the show. Thank you for inviting me on. I've got a bit of microphone envy, I think, there. You know, <laughs> I've been the one who's missing out. Join the club, uh, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> No, no, it's uh, it's an interesting time. And it before is. we start, Russ, I will say that, um, you know, I've, I've done a couple of pods with uh, Friends of Fulham guys. Yep. And, uh, you guys are doing a great job, by the way, I want to say. Yeah, and I just wanted to say about all the pods, really. I mean, I don't know if you remember a few years ago, we did sort of dive into doing a filmed version, didn't we, with me, you and Dave, and, and that was yeah. you know, early days. Yes. And we were a bit ahead of the, ahead of the game there, weren't you, Russ, really? <laughs> But now it's everyone doing it. But yep. um, no, no, I'm glad. Thanks for inviting me on. Yeah, I'm looking forward to talking okay. about it and what's going on, really. Okay. Well, listen, let, we're going to focus mostly on the match, but obviously the big picture topics will come up as well. But Max, I'll go to you first. Just give me your initial reaction. Well, I shouldn't say initial reaction. Your overall thoughts on this mm-hmm. nil-nil draw. What was going through your mind watching it? It sounds like you kind of already 
have made up your mind on Fulham's season, which is fine because I understand you you thought it ended with the uh, West Brom match. But let's just get your thoughts overall watching this match. Just, you know, in a, in a micro level, it was much better than the Leicester City match. And I think yes. that deserves talking about because yeah. that was a depressing moment after the Leicester match when it seemed that the attack was misfiring and the defense was making errors. I think the defense is much improved. And, you know, I was arguing with my brother about this. I, think, I said, we deserve to win this match. He said a draw was a fair result. But I think given our pressure in the second half, we're the only side who are going to get that winner. That's right. In this match. And, and that was positive to see. Um, I think, you know, West, West Ham are in great form. And we made them look average, as you and Emilio said on the yep. show yesterday. I was really impressed with Loftus-Cheek. I thought that was probably his best match for us. Uh, of course, no finishing touch, and that's what's going to make him a failure at Fulham. But I think he showed a lot more in the build-up play and getting in better positions. But, you know, overall, I have to take issue with Scott Parker here. I think his game plan was perfect up until an hour in. And once you're 60 minutes in in a match that's winnable, you have to go for it. And he said just as much in midweek. He said, draws are no good right now. There's no point getting one point. We need three points. And bafflingly, he waited until the 79th minute to throw in Maja and Mitrovic. That's just not good enough because, you know, as we all realize. Yeah, we talked about that on full time. Yeah, Very good point. Get, getting points is not going to keep us in the Premier League. We need wins. And this is a match that was there for the taking. At 60 minutes, you know, West Ham made a couple of subs. They looked out of the match. Disinterested off the pace. This is where you go for the killer blow. And the fact that he waited another 20 minutes to put in, you know, our best goal-scoring threats just didn't make any sense to me. And, and, and that's what's going to take us down this year is we're, we're a nearly team. You know, we're nearly there. We play good football. Yeah, we don't get a goal. There. I know. You know. I understand. We, we, do good, we do good business in the transfer market. We don't really get a striker. We're, everything is nearly. We can play good in spells. It's never 90 minutes. And that's why we're going to be the championship next season. Um, but, you know, uh, that's, that, that's the nature of the Premier League. We're just not good enough. Okay. Mike, before I get your take, uh, I'm curious your thoughts on what Max just shared, and I'll share mine and then uh, get your thoughts on it. Because we talked about this on full time some of the, the decisions, because again, I listened to Scott Parker's uh, video. I w- watched it and, uh, you know, he had full praise and he talked about his team and, and all that. But when I go back to it and I we talk about that we needed the victory and, I, and he knows that as well. When David Moyes made his substitution in the 55th minute, this to me was the time to ch- think about changing it then, Mike. And around the 60th minute, that's when Emilio said, and I agree with him because it's almost Moyes was trying to counter what we were doing. And then, okay, fine. Then you need to make a move yourself. And he waited an additional 20 minutes. I think, again, if I'm going to second-guess Parker, this is where it is, Mike, because we had everything else going for us, but we could not finish. That's what it comes down to. As Max said, it's about almost being there but not finishing the deal and it comes in in the final third what what are your thoughts about what max shared and then we'll talk about your thoughts well i thought max was spot on really i haven't got much to uh, go beyond that um you know it, it was everything's just that little bit far away we just can't grab it you know we're yeah. we're just missing those those shots we're delaying a little bit too long for the subs and you know the Anyone who followed me yesterday on Twitter, when I saw that team, I was furious. <laughs> you know, no strikers, um, got two on the bench. Yeah, uh, you got. We don't. You don't really know until you kick off. But you know, Reed um, was out on the wing again when maybe he could have played up front. You know, these are games we've got to win. 
Yes. And, you know, in all the comments yesterday was, well, okay, I can see what he's trying to do. He's going to hold out, try and nick a goal, and and then probably go quite defensive because that's his mindset. Yes. Um, and yeah, fair play. We you know we we played well. We were the better side over the ninety minutes, and a win would uh, have been the right result. But and and Loftus Creeker again being very critical of, uh, he pro- probably was the best player yesterday. Yes. But it still wasn't quite enough, was it? Exactly. We, we're just still, not quite there. Passes astray and and this kind of stuff. I suppose. I was surprised Tete died, but then again, you know, with four at the back, he's probably the better option. Um, and and Greece are being dropped. Yeah, you know, possibly he's been quiet the last few games. And um, But yeah, I, I just thought in a game, you know, we're on a run now, we have to win. You know, we're hearing the same message from Scott and even after yep. yesterday, you know, we have to win. We have to win games. We have to win games. But there's... The, and I've I've done some tweeting today, some stats and stuff. The team doesn't have enough goals in it. These are players who will get you three, four, five goals maybe in a sea in a whole season, and we're asking them to win. So even at their best, we're going to get one goal maybe, possibly two if we're really lucky. But look at we'll take Cavalero, and we're probably yes. about, I'm sorry if I'm jumping ahead, <laughs> but. He's had two chances in, in games recently, almost carbon copy. Yes. And they're not hitting the net because he's not a striker. He's not, he's, that's not his body uh, shape. He is not going to score like that. He's a winger playing in that position. You need a striker in that position. Somebody who's used to scoring, even at schoolboy level and then under 21. And so the instinct is there. I know that the goal is just there on my, off, off my shoulder. I know, you know, that kind of thing. And, Incredibly frustrated with that lineup. Okay, and then the subs were. Oh God! I mean, on Twitter, sixty minutes onwards. You know, Moyes made changes, as you said. That's right. And, but again, that's Parker being possibly reactive again and not grasping it while we're in in control. That's right. And then if you're going to throw on two strikers, you know, give them more than ten minutes and a couple of chances. You totally know, agree, that, Mike. Totally agree. This uh, missed is missed opportunity. Missed opportunity yesterday. Absolutely, and and that's great that you mentioned that. And you actually transitioned us really nice to talk about the starting eleven. And Max, I want to get your thoughts on what Mike just shared because I really want to start here because when you look at it, as Mike said, Cavalero is really not a striker. So you have Mitrovic on the bench. Maja, I wasn't expecting to start. I expected him to be a part, which he was. But here's the thing: the way that they were set up. The change of shape I, I thought was a positive move, but Mike just brought up a negative. Cavalero is out there as your striker, and it just isn't good enough. So what were your thoughts when you saw – was it somewhere to Mike that is thinking like, well, what's going on here? Because we need goals, and uh, we need a striker on there. But I will just mention this. Do you think that part of the reason why he plays Cavalero – and I've heard this, and I want your take on this – instead of Mitro, is that Mitro does not fit the style of play that Parker wants to play, the fast pace. Again, he might not be fast enough for the way he ultimately wants to play. That might be part of the problem with Mitrovic. Is I don't think he fits the way Parker wants. Does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, I, it makes sense in, in, in that respect, but you know, it's clearly not worked. And, and we no, stagnated. it hasn't worked I mean, anyways. Yeah, I mean, since the 1-1... The draw against Liverpool, you know, 
that's the period where I think people thought we'd kick on. We've yes. obviously stagnated, if not gone back since then. And that was kind of the start. You could argue it was the Leicester away match, but that was kind of the start of that experiment with the kind of false nine Cavalier. And yep. it's not it's not gone well. You know, we've not gotten wins. That's that that much is clear. And it's been we have progress to look at that and say it's not working. Um, now, to be completely fair, when we put Mitrovic in the starting lineup, it wasn't a whole lot different. Okay, it wasn't a whole lot different because okay. Mitrovic I don't think is the answer in this current form either. So I think what Mike said was probably the most intelligent thing I've heard in this discourse in a long time, which okay. is maybe give it to Bobby Deckard over Reed to be that number nine. He's our top scorer. He's played in that position before with Carlos. He has. That's City. actually a good point. He and has played in that position. I haven't. I personally hadn't thought about that. It's clear Parker hasn't thought about that because that just seems to be a more natural fit, right? Because the current position of Deckard over Reed, yeah, let's talk about starting 11. It was a back four, which I was happy about. And it's Russ, you've been calling for that. So I think that's good news. Yeah. But I think Deckard over Reed wasn't quite playing in that right midfield role as I'd expect him to. It was a bit more, you know, maybe right mid in attack, but in defense, he dropped back pretty deep which meant he was constrained and he wasn't truly playing with freedom where I think is his best role. So okay. he was a back four, but wasn't a truly a decade of Reed still had to do defensive responsibilities more so than he would have liked in my opinion, because in my opinion, decade of Reed was not an attacking entity uh, against West Ham. He just didn't really show up. And that's because he had to do some defending uh, on okay. that wing. Uh, and then let's talk about Angisa being dropped. Uh, yeah. I think he, he looked tired last couple of matches. I didn't have a massive problem with it. Yeah, and I really liked it. I, him off the bench in a way. I think that could be an exciting prospect. But he came but on very late again. It was, yeah, it was too late. I, I agree with Mike. You know, you give two strikers <laughs> 10 minutes. They, they can't work with that. You're not in the groove of the match in such a short span of time. Uh, yeah. But I do think they'll be limited. I do think Maja or Mitrovic or the combination of them or both of them will likely start um, against Everton. And I think we'll probably see the last of Cavalier up top. Not only okay. Maja. Well, that's kind of where I want to go. And Mike, I want to go back to you and feel free to share your thoughts of what Max just shared. And I said this on full time, and I want your take on this. Change of shape. Did it work ultimately? And can it work? That's the bigger picture. Can it work moving forward against teams around us? And then you can always revert back to three at the back. Can this work for them? Can this be a way forward if they can find ways to get goals? I'm curious your view on this, on the change of shape. Well, I mean, you've got to, every game you've got to take in its, you know, its own entity, haven't you? Exactly. So some, some, I mean, I'm a fan of three centre backs. I used to manage it when I, I was, remember. And you know, I, I do like it. And played the right way, it can can be quite attacking. But um, but it can also, if you do it the wrong way, you know, really be proper five defenders and you know three yeah. in front or even four. So yeah, it can be it can it can be very defensive or or very attacking. And we saw Parker do that last year. Yep. Um, I think it was the Charlton game at the end when he, he basically only had three defenders. <laughs> then he started the next game with, I think, Knockhart and Cav covers the uh, the wing backs, and that yep. didn't. Work. And then no, that didn't work. Four. So <laughs> you know, you, it's horses for courses, isn't it? Sometimes, yep. but yeah, I mean, there has been a backlash against playing the five, yep. um, three centre backs, and so Tete, it did work, did it? Because we were the better side yesterday. That, that that's be, right. He fought against West Ham. That would be the right thing to do. One of the differences we we don't seem to do, um, which we did under Slav when we played four at the back, is the two centre backs go wide and McDonald would drop in the middle, and you've yeah. almost got three three centre backs. That's a good point. Yeah, and, and Reed doesn't do it. He did it no. a little bit in the last game, a little, but yesterday I didn't really see that where he comes in and, and be and becomes that extra defender, and. 
because we're not building out from the back in a similar style. So um, I suspect following yesterday, yeah, he, he might continue with the four. I, I would, I, I really wanted to see the two strikers start up top next yeah. game um, because it is a must win. And I, I don't, this season, I don't really take into account whether it's a home game or an away game. For us, they're all away games. <laughs> and um, it's just the travelling that the guys have got to do. And if you look at tables, they're completely different, aren't they? You know, yep. home results, I think it's shown in all the top five leagues, are very different this year yep. compared to other places. So so whether it's home or away, to me, it doesn't matter. Um, and uh, so, yeah, we, I'm, I'm sure we will see some changes for next week. Okay. Let me go back to you, and then I want to go to Max, because in the change of shape, you know, it's funny, because I heard all, all this commentary at halftime about how we were lacking – the uh, fullbacks getting forward, and, and maybe that had something to do with the change of shape. But I, I thought we saw a little bit more of that. Obviously, in the second half, the crossing wasn't good enough. But I want to talk about this because was this? I noticed a lot more of this. The passing of Tosin and the passing of uh, Innocent was more forward thinking. Mike, I'm curious your view on this because it looked like it to me that they were taking more of an, an aggressive approach instead of just pack. Passing it back and forth, they were looking for that pass. And Tosin actually, I thought, had some really nice passes. Yeah, well, I think, I think because you've got the extra defender, if you like, at the back, if you're playing just flat four, um, they're looking, and you've got the runners. We keep going on. Everyone keeps going on. We've got runners. That's why Mitro can't play. Um, well, use them then. Go long and and run down the channels if that's what you're going to do. Um, and maybe they were trying to do that a little bit more. Yeah. yesterday. I mean. Loftus Creek was almost the second striker, wasn't he? You know, it was quite almost, second, yeah. You know, and um, I mean, and when you look at the heat maps for like Tete and Robinson, they, you know, Robinson especially was almost like a left winger at times. And if you look at the average positions, there's absolutely a massive gap behind him. He's well over the halfway line. Tete a little bit further back, and um, but. Yeah, a, li- a little, you know, the passing there. I mean, those two centre-backs are, are decent. Tosin's got a really good pass on him. I think sometimes yeah. he's still young, he's still learning. Um, but yeah, a little bit more longer than usual. Um, playing Reed and Lamina, maybe maybe that's one of the reasons. Yeah. Uh, you know, but uh, there are quite a few. I was looking at some, some stats today for formations and... Um, you know, we actually, we do create more chances when we play or our expected goals is actually higher when we play with four at the back. That's interesting. There you are. Well, maybe there's something to that. Max, what are your thoughts on all this? Because again, uh, it's funny. uh, We'll go through it. The second half was much better than the the first half. And I I think something was said at halftime and and you could see a change in the second half. But I I wanted to focus on the center backs because I just thought that they were more forward thinking instead of what we were used to with Parker Ball. I thought it was a little bit better than that. So what are your thoughts on that? It's a great point about Anderson and, and Tosin playing it out of the back because it also has to do with the movement of the players in front of them, as yeah. you guys mentioned. You know, I think Loftus Cheek was excellent in terms of receiving those balls from, from the center backs and then turning. Whereas we're so used to seeing just square balls across the back. They're actually going forward. But it wasn't necessarily long ball, it was just kind of incisive penetrative passing which was what you need and once Loftus cheek you know turned and could attack the back four he could you know pass that wide make things happen in the middle you know 
didn't necessarily have that scoring touch, which we, we all know, but I think it was just more, more positive from us. And then I was really right. impressed with Anderson playing those, you know, cross to the balls, just ping them. Exactly. Robinson and, and, and Tete at times, that was a great outlet. So nothing was more urgency. I think you're right. Something was said at halftime, you know, but I think, you know, my Mike mentioned this at the start, when we get into that final third, there's just no confidence. And, and as a supporter, yeah. I never really fancied us to score. I, I never backed us because you could just see the players and I don't know what it is. They just don't have that know-how or that, you know, familiarity, finding the goal or, or making the right decision. It's always, you know, a little bit too slow or, or the run isn't quite there or the finish is just miscued. And it goes back to what I was thinking, you know, two seasons ago when we just could not defend for our lives. And, you know, well, this is the exact opposite. Exactly. Exact, but it's not. It's the opposite, but it's in the other side of the pitch. You know, we just seem to always make defensive errors and switch off okay. back in 2018-19. This time around, we're in the final third. The same thing seemed to happen. We just don't <laughs> have the instinct. Way to look at it. It, it. It's odd because in many ways, the defending is the harder part. And we right. absolutely mastered clean sheets in the Premier League, which isn't talked about enough. I say this a lot. The yep. fact that our defense is keeping clean sheets, and it's not even really a big deal. Like we even met, That's the first time we mentioned it in this podcast is that we kept a clean sheet. Yep. You know, that's remarkable. <laughs> But, you know, without the attack, it really doesn't mean anything. Okay, interesting. Mike, I want to go back to you because Max brings up an interesting way to look at it. We're not leaking goals, but we can't score goals. So I'm going to ask you, when you're watching this, what the heck is going wrong? I, I know what you're saying, the lack of strikers on the pitch, but the players out there, what is the, what has been the issue that they're having in the final third? Well, I think I think you may agree with this. I mean, I don't, when you when you watch a game... We we never seem to get enough bodies in the box when we're actually in flow in attack. You you watch another side against us, and yes, we kept a clean sheet, but they always seem to have two, three players in the box. That's we a great do, point. We get in there and we just seem to have one, you know, and <laughs> um, and that's been an ongoing issue. To be yeah, that's that's not a new um, issue. But it's it's it, it's the decisive balls, isn't it? It's the crossing. Our crossing is pretty appalling. But then oh, it's I, horrible. Yes, I know Cav scored with a header the other week, okay? But, you know, Robinson's crossing. What's up, what, They're crossing. Who are they crossing to? These guys are all nippy wingers, you know. Uh, and if Loftus Creek is in the middle, then fair enough. But, you know, sometimes he's the one who's putting the ball through and making the cross. But we haven't got, and I know he's injured, and I, but he did get dropped. We it's don't Tom Kearney. We don't yeah. have a TC player. That's we right. Have a player who will decisively put that ball through the eye of a needle to a to a player running on. Um, you don't see that. It's it's individuals trying to make chances. Uh, Lookman will try and beat a couple of players and, and run into a cul-de-sac. And uh, you know the one the two the two chances yesterday where we should have scored was was the cap shot, okay, and and then Loftus Creek as well. Um, but that for me is the main issue, not enough bodies. And we just haven't got anyone who can just play a player through. And if you're going to play with runners like Lookman, like Cav, then, um, and, and Bobby Reed as well, then you've got to play that way. I mean, look at last week when, when the ball came to Mitro and he, and he backheeled it and you've got runners, you've got runners. This is what you need. Oh, it's great. We, we don't have a focal point, and I'm going to keep banging on the drum, but you need a central striker for everyone to run off of, and uh, that's the issue for me. Okay. Max, your thoughts on that? Twofold. 
not having a focal point, and also to full miss Tom Kearney, I, I think Mike nailed that. I think think they do because they think they're missing that player to really unlock things and really create. So, your thoughts on both of that? Yeah, I I agree on the on the central striker and on Kearney. I agree to a certain extent. I think it kind of you know it's the old adage: a player gets you know millions of times better the longer they're out injured. You know, um, and Kearney, let's remember, Kearney wasn't setting the league on fire, you know, before he got injured, right? And maybe he was carrying that injury. Um, but I think of the West Brom at home, that match, he was excellent. I'm struggling to think of other matches where he played that well. And I'm actually thinking the the Newcastle away match when he started and Mitro started and yeah. the attack was just anemic. Um, but I do think we need a player like Kearney, exactly. No, Mike's we definitely, could, he's spot we're, on, we're, on We're missing a creative midfielder. Absolutely. That's, that's the biggest weakness to the side in many respects because – the chances we're creating aren't high quality and we need someone to thread the balls through. I completely agree. But the thing about Kearney is I worry he'll slow down the pace of play. Well, that's the whole thing. And that's the other side of this along with Mitro, because I think there's this issue that Parker has. He wants us to play fast, but do players like Kearney and Mitro slow us down in his mind? Not, not really for us. I'm talking about does he fear them slowing the match down? Yeah. I think that's why Kearney didn't feature as much even before. Um, he went out, but I was, again, I was talking to my brother earlier. I said, we need a player like Kearney, but better, you know, because I love Tom Kearney. I think he's a club so legend, but he's not going to get it done week in, week out in the Premier League. And I think he's, he's either late twenties or early thirties. Now he's not the yeah. youngest you know, guy around. We need to upgrade in that position. Again, not something that was addressed uh, over the summer or not addressed appropriately. Cause I think people might've seen Loftus cheek as the answer to that. Yeah. And he obviously has not come good to the extent that people thought he would. So now that's another glaring, you know, weakness in this team. Okay. Excellent. Coming up next, we're going to break down this match with our analysis of the first and second half, and we will end with man of the match. Okay, Mike, I'm going to go to you. And again, um, not many moments in the first half. So we'll, I'll just go for an overall analysis from you, your view of the first half for Fulham against uh, West Ham. Um, well, we started well and, uh, you know, we had a lot of the ball and we were the best better side. We had um, a couple of half, well, a few half chances early on, some some shots blocked. Um, so, yeah, it was a, a really good start. And, uh, you know, we had that, for me, the one best chance was the Capitals, you know. Um, but it was just powder puff, you know, tag-wise. Yep. You had the ball... You had the ball a lot, and uh, but you were never convinced. Max said it. You know, you're not convinced we're going to score. Where where are we going to score? Um, I, on the flip side as well, I'd say how disappointing West Ham were. You know, and you know, there's a there's a lot of talk about how we are unlucky or how we should be higher up in the league. Um, but you have to win the games. You have to score the goals to be yeah. there. West Ham have been doing it, but I also shows. Um, although it's a really difficult league, there's an awful lot of teams there who are average, above average, and we just need to find a way of of, of matching them and, and winning those games, you know, because I don't think one striker is the answer. I think it's a style of play, some yep. tactics as well, to make us one of those top half teams, if you like. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I thought it was one of our best halves for quite a while. I know we've had some decent results, but yep. actually... It was the closest we've had, I thought, to actually dominate in a game where a manager of the opposing team had to make changes. Right. Look at it that way. 
you know. So, so yeah, it was positive for all my negativity on the lineup. It was a good half, but same old problems. Same old problems, Mike. And uh, very good analysis. And uh, you know, it, it makes me think about what's going on with Fulham because, like you said, we uh, we're, we're looking for someone to put the ball in the back of the net. But it's you know, it's more than that. It's also tactical. But I, I want to just follow up with you on this, and then I'll go to Max because I want his analysis. As we look at the change of shape and the way that they played, I could even go even to the Leicester City match in the second half. We seem to be more on the front foot. And, uh, you know, I had someone critique me and, and, and Emilio saying, and I said, I thought Fulham were taking it to West Ham. What I meant was the intent was there compared to, the three at the back when we're really just countering. Um, would you agree that that the intent was still there? It's still a little bit of Parker ball, but I think the intent was different that we were actually trying to take it to them instead of just sitting back. Yeah, totally. I mean, we did, you know, that first 15 minutes, we were by far the better team and we were attacking them. It wasn't, you know, I, I've been careful not to use Parker ball recently. It's, <laughs> I don't see it that way. It's not like last year. No, right, it's not. No, um, I'm, I'm not disputing he's going out to win games. I, you know, that's that's. But I just think fundamentally his, his overall tactics aren't good enough, and the players aren't good enough to score the goals. Well, it's conservative, Mike. It's just a conservative yeah, way that he is. A little bit. I mean, Tosin. You know, our free kicks and our corners are, are not brilliant. I mean, Tosin had a header yesterday where he. Could, yes. You know, so. Um, so yeah, we were taking it to him first off. That's what I mean. We all we were doing okay, but it just just not, not, enough. not enough. Okay, Max, your view of the first half. Do you agree with Mike? And do you agree with me that again, it was really we weren't we were taking it to him. But as Mike said, it's it's not the all-out attack that some teams have. But in Parker's way, this was more attacking. Yeah, because we freed up you know more space in the midfield and attack by switching forward to the back. Sure. The biggest thing for me is, you know, did Fabianski have to make a save all match? A tough save. I cannot think of one. And and that's what it comes down to. We have these periods of pressure, and it's actually nice possession, and it's easy on the eye, and, and the commentators will give us credit and say, they were. I don't know, you know, Fulham don't look like a relegation side. Look how I they're know, playing. I, I heard and then, like you and, did. Yeah, no, we don't have a single shot on target. That, yeah. That's actually threatening. That's what it comes down to. I think um, Lookman had a decent opportunity in the first half. They drag wide. Yep. Um, you know, as you mentioned, Tosin had a header that went over. Are we ever really threading the goalkeeper? And that's what it comes down to. And the, and the answer is no. Okay. Very good. All right. Well, let's switch to the second half. And there's more going on because I, I think, like I was talking to you guys earlier, I think that Parker had in his mind that he wanted to – he said something to them at the half because they came out with more energy. And, and Max, we kept hearing it that Fulham looked like they had more energy on the pitch. You could see it. There was more intent there in the second half. And listen, it starts right off the bat. You have the free kick from Cavallaro in the 49th minute. You have uh, a shot by Bobby Decker again in the 50th minute. That's followed up by a miss by Ruben Loftus-Cheek in the 53rd minute. And right after that, two minutes later, is the decision from um, David Moyes to make the double substitution. I believe he was reacting to what was going on. And uh, at that point, like we're talking about, this is when I'm thinking we needed to counter that and bring on the strikers then, but he did not, as we've already talked about. Then you have, again, this situation. 
Let's go right there, Max, and I'll stop with you because Mike already brought this up. Let's talk about Tosin because we're not great on set pieces, but he's been a threat, and this was an unfortunate that this just went over in the 72nd minute. Your thoughts? It's a tough one for him because I think he expects Anderson to get head on it, and it comes to him very quickly. It's unsighted in a large part, but it's a free header. And you have to be gnawing that one down. And it just throws over the crossbar. But even if he gets that a little bit lower, you force him to make a save. You might spill the ball. might fall to anybody. And, you know, Tosin knows this because he had that header you know, at Newcastle, which ricocheted off uh, Matt Ritchie and went in for an own goal. That's a value of getting things on target or in a, get, at least make, giving him a shot yep. to have a lucky bounce. But when you, when you just don't get your technique right and head over, you're not going to make your own luck. That's, that's the big issue with Fulham is we don't really make your own luck. Okay, very good. All right. No, I want to mention quickly the, the, the Moyes I mean, um, substitution. Just, just Weren't they awful? I mean, Mark Noble on and Yarmolenko. I think Yarmolenko was absolutely anonymous. And Mark yeah. Noble, he's a dinosaur. I, I was surprised by that move. Pitch. I'm glad that you brought I mean, that they, up. They were really weird I was subs. very surprised by bringing on Mark Noble because when I talked to Bob Ballard, the first time the teams met, he basically said that Noble was just, again, um, kind of near the end of it and just someone that he could see being a substitute, but it's just not the same player, Max. Yeah. It, it was, it was odd. They went on because normally when, you know, the opposition makes subs, you notice a difference and Fulham sit back, but yeah. we almost kind of continued on and I'd even argue got better after West Ham made those subs. So that was the strange thing to see. Okay. Very good. All right. Mike, back to you. I'm just going to mention some more key moments and I think you're going to see a theme in what I'm going to be mentioning as our opportunities. <laughs> So in the 76th minute, Lookman shot just wide from a free kick. Then you have two minutes later, guys, the opportunity from Cavalero on a play for him. But as Mike said, not a striker. It goes over. Then you have the double substitution, which we can talk about in a bit as well. Then you have the sh- opportunity from Mitro that goes wide. In the 84th minute, you have a shot by Angisa. 87th minute, Ruben lost. Well, Ruben Loftus-Cheek's header goes over. And then you have the opportunity in the 89th minute from Ruben Loftus-Cheek that just goes wide. Mike, over to you. What I just read to you is this close, right? This close, but not able to, to get it done. It's it's being close, but not, you know, again, just not good enough. And, and all those opportunities, just not good enough. Yeah, I mean, I, I probably made a... a a great mistake earlier about uh, Cavs. Yeah, it was second half, wasn't it? I, keep, I don't know why I kept saying that, but that's it. It's in, you know, stamps on my brain how bad it is. Um, yeah, I mean, we had the, we had the chances. Um, I thought, you know, Creek's chance was a really, really good chance. Just get it over that keeper. This is your, you know, this is your win all the Fulham fans over moment. Yeah. And, uh, didn't quite do it. Lookman's free kick. Yeah, I don't, don't really think it was troubling any anyone, um, but I've, you know I thought Mitrovic's shot was decent. I thought yeah. Angri- Greece's shot was decent as well. But it's interesting if you look at a match timeline of um, which I posted earlier from yep. uh, one of the accounts. It just shows that last fifteen minutes where where suddenly we were creating better chances. Yep. And oh, lo and behold, it's after we've made two attacking substitutes. So, <laughs> so if the tactic is to just you know hold out and try and nick something at the end, then you, you can do that when you've banked a load of points. If we were in Brighton's position or Newcastle's position on 25 or whatever it is, 
then yes, you can do that and give these guys only 10 minutes or 15 minutes. Yeah. But that's why, you know, the substitute, everyone on my timeline from 60 minutes was saying, make a sub, make a sub, make a right. sub. And, um, you know, I was glad it was a double sub, you know, that's, that, that was nice to see. And, uh, in, but uh, yeah, we, we had chances, but I go back to the point I made in the opening bit, which is, you know, some of those players, they need more than one chance to get one goal. And, uh, you know, if they're only going to get, you know, low rated chances, if you like, then they're not going to score. It's just not, it's just not in their makeup. It's not their fault. You know, it's uh, it's just the type of player they are. And um, well, let me ask you this, Mike, because you've talked about Fulham needing a focal point. Is this also part of their issues? Is that they don't have a focal point? There's so much pressure on them individually, and if you have Mitro in there or Maja in there, they become the focal point, and then things could open up for the other players then to get better opportunities. It's kind of like a domino effect. Well, well, let's say you're Robinson, you're going down the left and you're ready to cross it in. And who do you see in the middle? It's Cavalero or Mitro. Who do you want to cross the ball to? <laughs> no, seriously, I, I mean, I know he scored a goal with a header, but, you know, and if I'm a defender, right, you can have two answers to this. Yep. I'm a defender. Who do you want to mark against? Cavalero, who's <laughs> who's nippy and, and, and all that kind of stuff. Or do you want Mitro, who is big and strong and uh, free kicks and, you know, he can even get players sent off by falling to the ground. You know? <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk but, about that too. But, but, but that's a, a focal point doesn't always necessarily, it just has to be someone who, who, is, who needs two players on him. Who right. Who scares other, other teams, even if he's not playing very well. You know, I mean, you can be on the worst form run ever, but if you come on the pitch and you're renowned for being a striker, you're going to have your eye on him as a defender. But and, Mike, um, that's a great point because if you're a defender... Are you fearing Cavalero or are you fear, feeling uh, fearing Mitro? You're fearing Mitro. You're not fearing Cavalero. You just feel that you can do your job. You might be fearing Mitro, and you might be more concerned with what he can offer than Cavalero. I think that's where you're going on it, right? Yeah, but we all know we all yeah exactly. But we also know you know there's lots of comments about you know if we play these guys up front, then we have to um, you know make it weaker at the back. But I mean, do we? Re- do we really see Cavalero anywhere near the back now when he's playing? No. Is he is he working hard on the in the in the centre of midfield to stop? Yeah, of course he isn't. He's playing as a striker. You know, okay, Mitro doesn't have the pace of, of, of Cavalero, say to run down, but he still runs the channels, he still works his socks off. Um so it's not like we're playing eleven defenders, you know, we're no. playing seven at times but um we we need it's a it's a it's a cliche but he needs to take the handbrake off yeah we we need to be more positive and get and try and get one or two goals i mean the odds are we're we're still going to let a goal in um you know we're still a little bit fragile in that area um but we 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 need to be more positive we the mindset has to be to to attack from the off, really, and get goals, and then and then sit back for Christ's sake. Okay, and and that's the conundrum, and, and I want to go to Max because I, I want to get his thoughts on all of this. Is that, like you said, Mike, and we talked about this on full time. It feels like Parker, who again, I think he's evolved somewhat, but I think he's also just the way he is. He is conservative in nature, and I truly believe, Mike, that in this match, and Emilio and I were talking about. It, 
we think that in his mind he's thinking, well, maybe we can nick a goal, as you said. I don't have to make the change. Then he realizes time's running out and he makes the change instead of being more aggressive 20 minutes before that. That's really, for me, the issue with Parker is that I think he believes in his philosophy and then when it doesn't work, then he'll make the change. But it just seems too late, Mike. And I would like him to maybe evolve to the point where he can be a little bit more forward-thinking, more aggressive instead of safety first all the time. Because right now, safety first isn't going to keep us in this league. I think that's the rub. But, I mean, you two might be able to help me out here a little bit. I mean, I'm I'm pretty sure on on the coverage yesterday, from the moment Moyes made that sub, they must have cut to Parker and Wells discussing on the side of, you know, for a good, good 10, 15 minutes there. And you're waiting for them to make the substitution, Mike. You know, and (laughs) discussing it, divvying a little bit, maybe. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. (laughs) Max, over to you. That's actually a great point by Mike, the coverage, because they kept switching to. Scott Parker and and Wells, and they were talking about it in Stuart Gray because I think that they were thinking that they were going to be making a substitution when they kept cutting to them, but they weren't. They were they kept talking about it and talking about it, and it waited to the 79th minute, Max. So your thoughts on all of this? Yeah, it was a shame. It was a shame. And, you know, as, as Mike's mentioned, it's like you can't expect players just the first chance on the pitch to score. It's unrealistic the players we have, even for Mitrovic, who's yep. I think probably our best finisher on the form he's in. You can't expect him to score his first chance. Give them, like allow them to succeed as a manager. That's your role. So let your players be the best they can be. Right. And by throwing your two strikers in with 15 minutes to go, that's not maximizing their chance for success. That's almost keeping more pressure on them and fewer chances. That's just not good management in my opinion. Okay. But I would say about Mitrovic though, and, and I yep. think Mike made a good point that as the match went on, the higher quality chances went up, 100% sure. Yeah, he is right. Where was Mitrovic when those chances were happening? His strike was on the 18-yard box. And when he set up Loftus-Cheek for, I think, our other best chance towards the end, he's also on the 18-yard box laying it off back to goal. We're not seeing Mitrovic making those runs into the six-yard box. We're not seeing an aggressive Mitrovic who's always in the area. Sometimes he's actually on the wing. Other times he's holding back towards the edge. That's what's confusing me most about Mitro's play okay. is that you look at his goals last season. This is posted on Twitter this morning. Everything is almost right in that six-yard box. Poacher's goals. I think a factor of it is Premier League defenses are just better than championship. But there's well, something about true, his movement but- and his runs that aren't as aggressive, aren't as tenacious. And I think that's a lack of confidence. He's not getting in those positions. Well, let me ask you this. Do you think part of it is he's trying to be a team player, get more players involved? And, th- and that's what, where it's coming from. Instead of thinking, nah, I'm a striker. No, nah, you're being too generous. Mitch Rich doesn't think like that. He thinks about goals. Okay. <laughs> Mike, your thoughts on that. Do, do you agree yeah, well, with Max on that? Or or do you see my point that maybe he's trying to do more as a team player, get more players involved? Because we are seeing some of that. But but yeah, Max I brings mean, up a good point. Why isn't he in, Why isn't he closer to goal? Well, I think that video is brilliant. And I, I did start counting the number of goals he scored from about seven yards. <laughs> good three quarters, I'm pretty sure of it. Um, I mean, one of the issues is the way we play. So, you know, you think back to Slav's team who went down the wings and pulled the ball back. Um, and a lot of the goals last year, Brian's crosses, which we're not seeing. 
And, and yeah, it's better defences. Of course it is. Um, but I'd also add on Mitrovic. You know, you said that he was involved on the edge of the box. That's a focal point type of thing. That's a pass to runners as well, which we were yep. talking about earlier. Yeah. But also Mitrovic throughout the squad has the highest um, assist rate per 90 minutes, expected assists. Okay. Wow. So he, he doesn't have to score all the time. It's assists as well that make right. a difference. And, um, you know, that is why for me he is key. And allow him like, allow him to play himself into, back into form. Yes, he's had two games with mixed results. Okay. But I did tweet something yesterday. You know, there are certain players who have been allowed half a dozen games of poor performances to find that, you know, and even fans are guilty of it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, he's playing himself back into form. Okay, we'll give a player more than ten minutes to play himself back into form, eh? right? You know, so that that's my frustration with the whole thing uh, with Mitrovic. Um, but the more he plays, and again, you know, again, let's go back to the point. There's an awful lot of new players in that team as well, so it is all about getting used to playing with each other. Right? And Mitch, yes, you can do as much as you like on the training ground, but in a proper match practice, you know, he's. He's, he, how many minutes has he played on the pitch with Loftus Creek? You know, um, how many minutes has he played? You know, with Lukman? Because let's remember they came in late. Mitrovic was playing, then he was dropped, and then they had all those sort of that run of games. So you know, actual minutes on the pitch with some of these guys, it's it's all about partnerships and as well. And, and we're not seeing a lot of that. I think that, like you said, the chemistry, Mike. I think that takes time, and as People keep mentioning me because you know me, I'm a positive guy. We're running out of matches. And I actually think it's going to click, but that chemistry, its it just does take a while. And that's a good point by you. All right, guys, we have to talk about it because it's funny. I'm, I'm watching the commentary over here in America. You saw the same thing, Max. All the focus was on the red card. Instead of the match, it was all about the red card. So let's talk about it. Your thoughts on... The red card I said on on full time that it wasn't a red card. All this with Mitro, did he? You know, he still got he still got hit in the face. I mean, that's legitimate. I don't think he's faking there, but at all. And and I think it's pretty obvious that Mitro didn't think it was a red card by his actions after that. But let's just talk about it because uh, it's the talking point everywhere. The red card. Your thoughts? Yeah, I, I agree. It was so frustrating. Um, that all anyone wants to talk about is sending off. My opinion, that's just West Ham fans trying to cover up their abysmal performance. That's because that's all the West like Ham. That. That's all the Hammers fans want to talk about is oh, Suchek shouldn't be get out of here. I mean, you you played like you know terrible out there. Absolutely, you know, following up your your great run of form, you should you could have gone fourth with the win. So how do you you know obscure from that? You talk about the sending off. I think people are being very harsh on Mitrovic. He got elbowed in the face. He did get, that's my point on it. He did get elbowed in the face. I, and I, mean, I had, actually had a discussion with someone that was still saying, well, come on, he's a big guy. I'm no, like, I mean, it, it's more than being a big guy. He got yeah, hit in the face. I mean, would have fell, and Suchek is a tall guy as well. I think Mike Dean, people hate Mike Dean. That's one thing you have to understand about this. <laughs> if this is not some random ref, this is Mike Dean. He's, he's very polarizing. You know what? It shouldn't have taken that long with VAR. That's another thing people are getting upset about, is that it took, what, five minutes to look at it. And I think it is probably true. If it's a sending off, you'll know right away. Yeah. That being said, I'm not in the mood to be on this chair on this podcast to be charitable to West Ham and say, oh, you know, I think he deserved the red card. You look what Abubakar Kamara did against Crystal Palace. I don't think there's any intent to hurt the player there. 
but it was a nasty challenge. Same thing with Suchek. There's no intent to hurt Mitrovic, but you oh. raise your elbow like that and you swing it at someone's face in a football match, you have to be prepared for the consequences. So I'm not going to say it was, a, it was a definite red card, but I can see why it was given. And West Ham fans should probably stop moaning and focus on why you know a team couldn't beat you know the third worst team in the league. Oh, wow. Very interesting there, Max. Okay. Mike, your thoughts on this? I don't think it's a red card, but I also don't think that Mitro was faking because he went down. And this is the argument that I heard from a good friend of mine that he does a lot of uh, theatrics. We'll just say he, you know, he does, does some diving, which I'm not a fan of that. Maybe this is just a part of that. I, I think this is separate. I think he gets hit in the face and goes down and I think it's legit, but I don't think it's a red card. I mean, diving or, or making the most of everything, that's that, that's a modern thing as well, isn't it? Or however long, you know, last 10, 20 years, whatever. Yeah. Mitch Mitch does go down like that. We've seen him, you know. But it, it is in the face. I have no idea how hard it was. It's <laughs> a little bit inconclusive. But in the end, he went down and it's an elbow to the face. It's just, it's a sending off, whatever you okay. like. You know, and... The rules are, it doesn't matter what the opposition or what, whoever says, no, it's not a bad tackle, or it's not a sending off ref. If the ref decides, he, he has to make the decision, you know, from his point of view, not what other players on the pitch say. So by the letter of the law, it's probably a sending off. One minute from the end of the game and VAR as well and everything <laughs> else. Of course it isn't, is it? <laughs> well. Uh, What's interesting about it, Mike, how long did it take him to make this decision? He kept looking because we all saw the video of it. it. He looked at it. It had to have been like a dozen different views of it. It's just, yeah, well, I mean, that's fair. You know, we could have a whole show on VAR. <laughs> um, I mean, for me, it, yeah, it's a sending off. But if he hadn't gone off, it, I wouldn't have been up in arms, even if that was the first. Yeah, I wouldn't minute. have cared. You know, but Mitch Fitz goes down. So... You know, it must have hurt, and you can't do that. Even if you know, you can't say whether it's accidental or not. It is a weird thing he does there. It's, it's, you know, Mitch Fitz pushes him, and he shrugs him off like that, and and he catches him. But you know, you've given the ref a decision to make. Yeah, so, agreed, Mike. Agreed. Yeah. Oh, good stuff. So, yeah, All right, guys. So, go sorry, ahead. Go back. What Max says exactly? Are is anyone? Are any of the pundits or anyone else talking about? Either how well Fulham played or how poor West Ham were. Neither. No. I, I've heard so neither. Distraction tactics, you know. I've listen, Mike, I watched the commentary afterwards and I'm just telling you, it was all about the red card. I didn't hear much to do about how poorly West Ham played. I heard a little bit about how Fulham played that uh, they were nice on the eyes. Max probably heard the exact same thing, but again, it, it comes down to finishing as, as we're talking about. But beyond that, so much of the focus was on this red card. So much of the focus was on VAR. And uh, I wish it was actually on the match, and it really wasn't. Would you agree with my assessment of that, Max? The- yeah, 100%. And that's the way television is. You know, it's, it's what gets the views, and people love to talk about, you know, controversy. And, and this is controversial. Has Mike Dean involved? Um, you know, it's VAR. It ticks all the boxes. Um, but, but it was I'm such a small part of this match. Yeah, I agree. And that's the thing. I mean, you know, I tweeted something and one of my friends who's not a film supporter replied like, oh, what a terrible VAR decision. It's like, it didn't affect the match at all. No. That's that. I wouldn't even include it in a post-match tweet because it was so inconsequential to the overall result that, you know, I I, I don't care too much about it. And obviously West Ham fans don't care because Suchek is their best attacking player 
in recent weeks and he'll be out for three matches if this stands. So I understand why they care about it, but no, it, in, in all intents and purposes, it wasn't really that big of a deal. No, it definitely wasn't. And, and so much was made of it. And it's a sensational topic whenever you bring up VAR and then these situations in a red card. But I, I, again, it's such a small part of this match. But I wanted to mention it because it's been blown up out of proportion and it drove me nuts after the match. Okay, guys, I w- want both of you give your thoughts on man of the match. Mike, to you first. Well, some of my followers be quite surprised by this, but actually it was Loftus Creek for me. I thought oh, he was wow. a distant player in the team. Um, but still a long way to go to totally win me over. But uh, but yeah, for yesterday, I'd give it to him. Okay, and I already have a comment from my friend Chris. He says he agrees with you, Mike. So there you go on that. How about you, Max? Yeah, I, I'd agree with, with what Mike said. Wow. And the commentators are both say Loftus Cheek. I think he, he was our brightest attacking outlet. Um, and the difference for me was, you know, he would receive the ball from the defenders, as you mentioned, from Tosin or Anderson, and yep. turn and run and run at the defense at West Ham. And he made runs in behind, and he spread the play, and it was a confident performance. And it also, the thing Loftus Cheek does, he'll carry the ball, you know, 50, 60 yards up the pitch and get fouled and get us a free kick in dangerous positions. That happened yeah, he did that. twice. Yes. That's, that's something we need to kind of ease the pressure when we're kind of under the cosh. He, I, he's showing his attributes now. Um, and you know, of course, no goal. We all know that. I had to say it though because you can't get somebody well, in match. He not said it's coming. It, 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 let's hope so. Let's, let's hope so. <laughs> but again, it will be too late. No matter what happens, it'll be too late. Um, but at least yep. we'll, we'll see some good football uh, for the relegation party for the next couple of months. <laughs> Facts. And the reason Facts. I say that, and I think I'm okay. so glad Mike's in the show. Okay. Because I kind of delude myself for a couple hours every day thinking, oh, you know, we'll, we'll win some matches and it will all fall together. Mike Gregg's Twitter account keeps me sane because he's making the points. Well, because so Mike, Mike has the stats. The I, I, Mike, Mike has all the stats. And look at this, Russ. Yes. The teams above us are getting wins. Oh, I know. The biggest argument against us staying up is that the fact that teams like Newcastle, Burnley, et cetera, are on 22 to 25 points. Yep. If we're to stay up, we're targeting 38 to 39. That's already a small miracle to us achieve yep. that points. What's an even bigger miracle is that the teams above us have to essentially lose around 10 matches or something. Like they, they can only win three or four more matches the rest of the season. And when they're getting wins at places like Everton, places like Liverpool. Oh, did we lose Max for a second there? Mike, you're still with me though, right? Yeah, he was on a roll. He was on a roll. <laughs> he, was, he was on oh, a roll. No. Oh, oh, wow. I'm, I'm, oh, am I back? I'm sorry about oh, that. No. Oh, no. You're what, back. what was the last thing you guys heard? There's a snowstorm going on in Philadelphia right now. I'm sorry. Okay. Okay. Well. Well. Again, I guess it was a, a snowstorm that caused a, caused a little glitch there, Max. I don't even remember where you left off. I, I guess I'll remember. Yeah. No. You were. T- you absolutely spot on there. You were on a roll. You were yeah. on. I, I can just quickly summarize because I think, but I'll just say the, the teams above us have yep. to be on absolutely abysmal form for us to have any chance of staying. Okay. Out, and that's a difficult thing to concede. Okay. And. If you want statistics on Fulham's chances, Mike is Mike is very good with with his stats, and uh, you know, and uh, you've always been good with that, Mike. You're you know, and again, you're just giving us the proof. And uh, even though I'm still one that believes in a great escape too, and I'm based on uh, on uh, the players, I I didn't feel like that two years ago. So th- so again, for me, it's what I'm watching, you know, and. Uh, I've heard this. Well, I, I can't talk about good performances because it's about the points. And I, I actually, I totally agree that it's not 
that it is about the points. Uh, totally agree with that. But I, I think my only point on the performances is that I can see it clicking, but as we, Mike, we know there's only 15 matches left. So it could click, but it might be too late. And yeah. I think that's kind, of, that's kind of where you're going and, and Max's point, we need a lot of help. Yeah, I mean, it's just difficult to, I mean, Max was absolutely spot on there when you, you're talking about us catching teams. So we've got to play, realistically, we have to play like... I think ninth, it's a ninth, right? Ninth, at, the, at the moment, it's the ninth best team for the rest of the season. So if, if you just did a season of 16 games, we have to be the ninth best one. Okay, and people go, oh, yeah, we can do that. We're just a striker away. Um, But Max is right as well. You know, I mean, Newcastle, what are they on? 25 or whatever it is. Let's say that, yeah. So, and they've got 15 games left or 16, whatever. So, even if they only get a point a game, if they play just a little bit worse than we are, you know, they will still reach that point. So, you know, you, you look at Sheffield United, who... Everyone's been going, oh, they're going to be worse than Derby and all that. They've still picked up, what is it, 11 points? Yep. Okay. So even over that kind of stretch of games, you're still going to pick up points, even if you're the worst team. So, you know, I'm looking at our form now. Last 10 games, seven points and five goals we've scored. Now, we've only lit in nine, that's true. So we've got to switch that. You've got to, you've got to go from seven to having 15 points in 10 games, 16 yep. 10 games and that is the switch we've got to do it's not impossible right well we've seen it i mean there is proof that it's happened but it only works if we beat burnley twice that's my i saw that i saw that and that actually is key that's actually a good point mike because then it could be in play but again you have to beat them twice that's that's a very good point and uh you know to to be in a position to potentially have it all on the line against newcastle boy would i love it all on the line against newcastle but we will uh, we will see, guys. Before we go, final thoughts, Mr. Cohen. Yeah, um, I think you're okay. Now. Yeah, no, sorry. Yeah, no, no, no snowstorm issue right now. So. Uh, what I would say is that kind of taking a step back from everything. I've been thinking about this a lot recently. Did we go up too soon? In in some ways, which which is an odd thing to say because of course everyone wants to bounce right back up to the Premier League. And honestly, if we hadn't, Park would have been sacked. But you look at the teams who are doing thriving in the Premier League when they go up. It's a team like Leeds. Yep. Leeds United essentially had a Premier League side in the championship, and they slotted right in this season, you know, with great investment. For us, Mike brought back some good debates about what was happening last season. Last season in the championship, we are having those matches away to Charlton, you know, drawing nil-nil, not looking like we were scoring, only winning matches by one goal. You know, we, we really squeaked through in, in the playoffs into the playoff final. This wasn't a team that was taking the championship by storm. So in many ways, are we really surprised that we can't cut it in the top flight? And of course, with the squad, we left ourselves with a massive mountain to climb in terms of the investment we had. It just seems every time we get back up to the top flight, it's a mountain to climb. And just when we're on the precipice of returning this club to where it deserves to be, the Premier League, yep. a stable club, it's always a step too far. And that's what's really bringing me down is that I love Fulham. I love Fulham no matter what division we're in. You know, I'll still be a fan. I'll still follow. But this club... To be successful, I think it has potential to be the state Premier League club, even yep. pushing top 10. Yep. It's so hard to see a future forward, even the next decade, where that can happen if we continue to be a yo-yo club. Okay. Um, and, and, and that just is a big picture. And that, to me, is really saddening because I love the championship when yep. we win matches. Well, but, you know, 
I'm, I'm a big fan of the championship. We want to be I in the top, ra- but I would rather we be want here. winning in the top flight. And even yeah. I think this is, this is such a good chance of staying up in terms of the players we have yep. and the fact that we're not getting blown out every match. But even this isn't enough. And it asked me to think, you know, when will it be enough? What will be enough for us to stay in this division, which is growing tougher and tougher by the year? Okay, I just want to share this comment before I go to Mike and we wrap it up. It's funny because Chris has gone back and forth with me for I want to say a year now about Parkerball. Can't stand Parkerball. Now he's coming out and saying it's so much better than Parkerball. I had to just uh, share this. Thank you, Chris, because I can't tell you how many messages I've gotten from you about Parkerball. So for you to say this is better than Parkerball actually made my day. Mike, over to you. Any final thoughts before we go? Um, yeah, I mean, Max, we could do a show just on what you just said. There. <laughs> I'm more than happy to do that at some stage. Um, I, I, what I want to say is that, um, in the end, we want, you know, we want wins. You want your team to win. It's not about, you know, it's, in, I find it quite incredible. And maybe it's cause we're not in the stadium, but you know, we're not asking for Parker to get the sack or anything like that. There isn't a groundswell of, of, of that at all. It's, there is incredible frustration with him, absolutely. Um, and we're so far behind now, you know, eight points. It, it looks like a mountain, but there is still a chance. You know, we're not getting tonked and, uh, you know, it's just a, maybe a t- we've spoken about it before us, that 10% yep. change. Yes. Yeah? Just that little bit more uh, that can turn those those draws into wins. And um, But I do think, and I, you know, I said it t- five, ten minutes ago, it is the Burnley games for me. I think it's okay. Wednesday, I think, um, or very soon. And we have to win that. There's no ifs, no buts, nothing like that. It's it's absolute must win. It's in the dictionary, Burnley, that game. Okay, very good. Great stuff. Great show. This has been a great show. I, w- I want to mention that we're going to be having a special show of Cottage Talk maybe next week or the following week where we're going to be talking about football. We're going to be talking about social media and also mental health all intertwined together. We're going to do a special show on this. I'm going to have some very good guests joining us for co-hosts. We're going to have a really honest discussion of how supporting Fulham affects us positively and negatively and how social media affects us positively and negatively with our mental health. And uh, I think it's going to be a constructive show. I'm looking forward to doing it. So I just want to mention that before we go. Also, please do subscribe to our YouTube channel. I'm trying to get this off the ground. We don't have that many subscribers. I would really appreciate if you could subscribe to our YouTube channel. Okay. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of Cottage Talk. For Mike Gregg and Matt Cohen, I'm Russ Coleman. Thank you as always for watching and listening to Cottage Talk. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24 7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. It's the 90th minute, and all to play for at the end of the match. All your mates are around. You've got your McDougat share boxes ready to go. 
Your mates already got booked for double dipping, and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. Are you in? I know I'm in. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.